Welcome back to Out of the Main, our Yacht Rock podcast with uh, myself, Tom, and my, what are you, co-captain, John? Co-pilot? Co-pilot, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we are at episode four. We're going to talk, well, actually, we're going to build the Yacht Rock supergroup. We've each done so independently, and now we're comparing notes. So uh, before we dive in, though, I just wanted to point out, if you're looking for any of the reference material or anything that we discuss relative to our podcast, you could go to yachtrockpodcast.com and it's all there, including where to find the podcast. And um, we also have a Facebook page that you can follow and that is linked to at yachtrockpodcast.com. You can also find it on Facebook by doing slash yachtrockpodcast. And we even have a Twitter account um, at yachtrockpod. So those are the places you can find us. Uh, and now that you found us, I guess we should mm-hmm. dive in to building the Yacht Rock Supergroup. Kind of like fantasy football. It is like sort fantasy of, football. Except, yeah, it's not really a draft type it's of It's not a draft. Point. I thought about doing it that yeah. way, though. Instead, we built our own team. But there is going to be a flex player that is on each one of our rosters. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to go position by position in a typical band. And we're going to each – we've both – Separately, like I said, deliberated and, and filtered candidates, and we've yeah. decided on our list. It'll be interesting to see how much overlap there is and how much divergence there is. Right. So, without further ado, let's start this Yacht Rock supergroup. And I thought it only made sense to start where I imagine there's going to be some overlap, which is the drummer position. So, yep. I'll let you go first. Okay, well, I've made no uh, secret about the fact that uh, the probably the most influential musician in my entire life is that of Jeff Percaro. So Jeff Percaro is without question, even if we weren't doing separate instruments, Percaro, he would have been the absolute first on my list. Jeff Percaro, uh, famously the drummer of Toto, of course, but it's just unbelievable how many songs that, uh, particularly from the Yacht Rock era and other West Coast AOR that he played on. And I am still discovering stuff to this day that that he played on that I had no idea. And I've been searching for it, you know, for probably right. 30 years. And I'm still uncovering gems. So, Jeff Percaro. It, it doesn't he even get into that, like that Quincy Jones era we talked about? Or is he playing oh, on yeah. some of that stuff as well? well? Absolutely, yeah. He's playing on a lot of the Quincy stuff so as well. Yeah, yep. it's not just the what you'd typically consider yacht rock. He's all over the place. Just prolific. So, um, I also had... Jeff Picaro, because I don't know how you don't have Jeff Picaro at this position, but we should talk through who else, yeah. who who would be candidates here. So, well, number two on my list, and it's to me, it's a really close number two. And if it wasn't for the fact that Jeff Picaro is the most uh, dominant musician in my life, it would be Steve Gadd. And Steve Gadd is, I mean, he's everything that Jeff Picaro is mm-hmm. in terms of a uh, just a cerebral drummer. He can play the same grooves, the same. Feel. I mean, they were talking tiny, tiny differences in the way that they play. If anything, Jeff hits a little harder, and Steve's a little bit more of a technician. But there's plenty of tracks that I listen to, and I can't tell you which one it is, mm-hmm. and I've been fooled. So Steve Gadd... Um, was Steve Gadd... Was he... Because uh, obviously he was a huge session guy. Was he also associated with a specific band the way Jeff Picaro was with Toto? No, not that I believe. I believe he was strictly a session guy. He, now, he probably showed up on more of what we called the yacht jazz uh, genre. Yeah. Um, so maybe he hung more with jazz cats, but uh, to my knowledge, he was not a member of a 
regular band. And, you know, with the drummer thing that, that surprises me is that of all of these session guys, session drummers, that is, that, and being a West Coast guy, too, that Steve Smith, the drummer from Journey, I have never seen him show up as a session guy. Hmm. And, you know, he seems to fit all of the criteria of what people would be looking for then. Um, now, he was in other bands other than Journey, but I don't I don't see his name coming up as a session guy a lot. Session guy, yeah. What about where, uh, who's the guy that uh, Jeff Picaro attributes the Picaro shuffle oh, to? Oh, yeah, Bernard Purdy. Well, Bernard Purdy, I, I did look up, you know, he's a name that I knew, and I mostly knew that name because Jeff attributes the Rosanna shuffle to him. But as I was looking up the um, sort of the discography of Bernard Purdy, I found a lot more jazz stuff. Hmm. You know, I didn't, we know he played with Steely Dan. Um, and off the top of my head, I can't think of what some of the others are, but I do remember that it looked like 75, 80% of this vast list of things he played on were jazz records, you know, whether it's a Herbie Hancock kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Um, anyone else to consider at this slot? I mean, obviously I thought of Steve Gadd too and Bernard Purdy, but it was like I spent no time overthinking this position. Yeah, there's well, Jim Keltner, Vinny Caliuta. Those are two guys that played on a lot of that stuff. Um, Keltner, you know, played a lot on Steely Dan stuff. Um, yeah, Rick Murata. Now, that's a guy that played with uh, Steely Dan a lot. He had a very, very different feel from some of these other guys. He was a lot more of a... Uh, a lighter touch, a lot more of interplay between his hi-hat and snare. It wasn't so much about the the driving groove as much as it was something that just glided. And um, uh, Peg from Steely Dan is a perfect example of the way he plays. Yep. And he's featured quite a bit on that making of classic album series where they did Steely Dan's Asia. Um, he's actually in that and he explains some of the nuances of the beat that he was doing that could only be appreciated in something like Steely Dan because most of the rock records that were made where you're just bashing your brains out and he had a lot of little subtleties he yeah, built in. So it's worth looking that up. There's not enough space in other kinds of music. That's one no. defining characteristic of a lot of Steely Dan stuff is the space that allows every instrument to breathe at the same time. Yes. All right, so let's move on to yep. keyboard. All um, right. and the reason we chose keyboard second is I suspect there may be some overlap here too. And if you keep it track of... Uh, at home, where you both have the same <laughs> band so far. Um, so One uh, for one. Who do you got yeah. for keyboards? I have a guy named Michael O'Martian. Hmm. So I'm imagining you probably didn't. The reason I picked Michael is um, he, well, first of all, he produced Christopher Cross's uh, first couple of records that were so big and such definitive records in the yacht rock genre. So that's, that partially swayed me. Uh, but he also played on a lot of Jay Graydon's productions, and I, you know, consider Jay Graydon to be probably the definitive producer of the genre. But what reason overall I picked him as a player is that Michael O'Martian is sort of equal synth player and, say, piano or electric piano player. You know, some guys specialize in one over the other. And I was looking for a guy that could do both, and particularly. I've talked about that special modified E-Rhodes that was uh, something that uh, Jay Graydon had in his studio, and it was a very definitive sound. And Michael O'Martian was the E-Rhodes player on Blue Desert, the uh, Mark Jordan album that I consider to be the Bible of what a yacht rock record should at least sound like. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily songs or arrangement, but just the recording sound. Interesting. 
What do you got? Believe it or not, I also have Michael, no, you but don't. I have Michael McDonald, <laughs> <laughs> which is nice. really easy. So um, I didn't go out on any limbs, but Michael McDonald only because he's so influential in developing the sound that we, you know, all think of as yacht rock. How, how much influence he seemed to have for sure. on Kenny Loggins' sound, as well as obviously the Doobie Brothers' sound. So it was just his simple mm-hmm. style of playing, which it's not simple, but it sounds simple to the naked ear. It, it was just so transformative at the time. So and he brought piano type playing as well as synth playing to the party as well. Yes, he did. And I figure if you get Michael McDonald in the super group, the bonus is you get the backing vocals. Well, no one will tell you it's not a yacht rock group anymore. That's true. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So I'm taking uh, Michael McDonald for the okay. keyboards and the, the backing vocals. Anyone else here we should have looked at? Oh, you got him on two parts. So that, I guess yeah. that's not cheating, but it's cheating. Yeah. Well, okay. We didn't say you could cheat. That's true. Yeah. That's true. All right. So where are we going? Well, uh, let's go to guitar. Okay. This will be interesting because I'll let you go first and okay. see if my pick is a curveball or not. Okay. Well, I am definitely going to go with Steve Lukather from Toto. And uh, the reason I love what Steve Lukather brought back then was, again, uh, I guess the sort of the multi-layered way that he could play. He could give you that clean, rhythmical, you know, snappy electric guitar parts, and then he could just blaze out rock and roll yeah and granted that the yacht rock genre doesn't call for a whole lot of the blazing rock and roll but it does call for some great leads and there aren't many better lead players that play a lyrical kind of lead than i agree i mean the versatility alone just gets you if you're building a super group gets you so much at one position i'm looking thinking of the fantasy football uh analogies you get a lot of versatility out of one player and um I did not pick Steve Lukather, even though he probably rightfully owns the spot. Yep. But I thought of the player who you actually said kind of passed the torch and developed the mm. sound and mm-hmm. was the godfather to Steve Lukather. And I'm also cheating because I'm I'm selecting Jay Graydon yeah. because I get not only the guitar prowess, which he has a lot of the same types of chops that you're describing with Steve Lukather, certainly can rip out a lead. He's got some you know tastiness to his rhythm playing. But my cheating part is now I have a producer in the room. Yes. So. He, he was going to be my second choice for all of those reasons. And it, it was a difficult selection between the two as much as I think of Jay. But there's just almost the same reason I picked Jeff Percaro is the sheer, the numbers of tracks that they're on yeah. is just, yeah. Well, two other guys that I considered at this position. One would be George Benson. Okay. Um, just because he's such a great player and even better than I shouldn't say better, but perhaps more technically proficient than he is. Um, is his name Grant Geisman? Oh, Grant, yeah, from uh, the Chuck Mangione. Chuck Mangione. Group. I mean, yes. you listen to some of the leads and the rhythms he plays. Now, yeah. you, the reason I didn't go with someone like that is I feel like it's more of a one-trick pony kind of playing style. Yeah, yeah, he is a little bit. And uh, not as versatile as the other two we mentioned, but is there anyone else we should be thinking about at this spot? Larry Carlton. Yeah. You know, how can you forget about Larry Carlton, you know? Um, he, b- besides his brilliant playing, the he had to have the right... Temperament. I don't know a ton about him, but if, as they explained again in that Steely Dan uh, making of the Asia record, that he was the guy that had to deal with the crazy geniuses, you know, Becker and Fagan, and take their ideas, chart them out for the guys, for the rest of the band, and then go and sort of lead that band, organize them. So he brought 
that additional thing, the ability to be a band leader and to be able to chart out what was uh, in someone else's head. And so best known for Steely Dan, but certainly a session guy all over the place. In yeah, our, and his yeah. own solo stuff, which, solo which stuff. a lot of that falls into our yacht jazz category. Yep. Uh-huh. Walter Becker, was he, he was early on, he was a founding member of Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. I understand that he played both bass and guitar at times in yes. his early days. Yes. And they, they both kind of moved away from playing instruments so that I think they wanted to be in the control room and kind of observing the overall vibe of the stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because when you're playing, you can kind of get focused on your own part. Yeah, you know? yeah, true. Jeff uh, Skunk Baxter. I mean, how can we forget him? Oh, He's, God, yeah. uh, you know, he of the great mustache. But Jeff From Skunk Doobie Baxter, Brothers. Doobie Brothers, yep. yeah, came in at the end of their rock era and stayed with them through the early part of their Michael McDonald era. Guy that was able to go from being a rocker to bringing some great jazzy kind of leads. And, of course, he, you know, before he was with the Doobie Brothers, he was with Steely Dan early on. And so... Um, yeah, I think you know, the Baxter's got to be considered. One of my favorite um, early Steely Dan songs is, I referenced it before, Night by Night, mm-hmm. which is on Pretzel Logic, I think. <clears throat> so it's early, and Baxter plays guitar, yeah. awesome guitar on that song. I'm, I have a friend who's been asking me to help him find um, guitar rock. And of course, I'm trying to steer him towards yacht rock because there's so much good guitar play in it. And yeah. I said, "You know this guy, and you know Steely Dan. Go back and listen to this yeah. record." And he plays. A, I, he may only play on that song, but it's also with Jeff Picard who only played yeah. on that song. So just a sweet lineup there. Yeah, and I love seeing the live stuff when you see Baxter. Him, you know, all the other guys are jumping around and rocking, and he's sitting on his stool. You know, like yeah. looking like you know, acting like the professor. And then he's got the hair that's down to his waist and the big old mustache. <laughs> and that kind of became like a calling card, right? Him yeah. sitting down on yeah. stage, and even yeah. when they were on, uh, <laughs> remember the Doobie Brothers run? What's happening? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah the which Doobie Ubi? <laughs> <laughs> he came out. And, he was on that episode. Yeah, I think he I was think sitting he on the yep. on the stool even in that yeah. episode. True to character. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Well, let's move around. Okay. Um, let's go to a very prominent position and it'll be interesting to see who you got here. Um, right. Let's go to lead singer. Yeah, I played around with this one a little bit and I settled on an area that I, uh, it, I didn't expect to, but I started thinking about, okay, I want a guy that can not only sing great lead, but I wanted the lead to have great range, but I also needed, I feel that the male falsetto is an essential part Mm. of creating the backup. So I needed a guy that could do that as well. So I ended up with David Pack, lead singer from Ambrosia. And then he also had a great, uh, couple of great solo records. Um, Still sounds good today. Uh, But he has the ability to just give you that soaring power vocal he can sing the quiet ballad, and then he's got that falsetto that he just glides in and out of effortlessly. So yeah. I can use him to uh, sing leads and all my backups. Nice. Well, you can't have Keith or uh, Michael McDonald because I got him. So yeah, he's taken. Yeah, he's taken. Um, although we're not doing fantasy football draft, but yes. he's in my band. And if there's anything you know about Michael McDonald, he did not like to hop from band to band. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, I got a guy who's more obvious than your pick, but I picked him for almost all the same reasons because of the versatility, the range. Um, I have a lot of vocalists in my family, and you wouldn't know it by listening to me sing, but they always talk about the people who have control and the people whose voice sounds like an instrument, and I went with Kenny Loggins. Yeah, I was going to be head, so I figured you were heading towards. Yeah. yeah. he's at, He was like my first cut he's just well for one you get the benefit of him being an icon of the genre but it's not just that it's not just the kitschiness it's his actual vocal ability is amazing he can do everything from a harsh growl to a soft falsetto he's got the in uh, the ability which is difficult as a singer to like as you said effortlessly go in the same phrase from falsetto to your to your chest voice Mm -hmm. and uh he's just a great singer so i got him and now I've got Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald well, yeah. in the band. So there's no one going to question your credit. Right, right? Exactly. And Jeff Picaro. So oh, I went for a lot of the easy picks now that <laughs> I look at it. Um, right, anyone else, though, that, you know, you could have maybe chosen. Uh, well, I had Kenny Loggins as my fallback singer, and you could have picked Michael McDonald as a singer, yeah. you know, if you hadn't already. Um. Let's see who else really comes to mind. Richard Page from Pages, and of course later Mister Mister. Yeah. But he has an incredible voice, and he has that ability to flow up into the falsetto too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a good singer, but they don't have a deep catalog. Is the lead singer from Player? Right. And I yes. consider Baby Come Back like an iconic yeah rock sure. tune. Um, but again, not deep enough catalog to say that's the guy. Probably. You know, from a female standpoint, you know, you know, I consider Linda Ronstadt, though I understand the people that argue that she's not. I get that. But if I were going to have a female singer in front of a yacht rock band, I would put her, you know. And I might consider Olivia Newton-John, not because of what she did at the time, but what she could have done at the mm-hmm. time had she been paired with the right producers and not been sort of this glam cover girl um, just singing pop. But and then she- there's Patty Austin that, did, you know, didn't have a long um, sort of run in the yacht rock genre, but uh, you know, we were talking recently about um, her album from I guess 1981 or whatever with the that had uh, Baby Come to Me on it. That that you know, she could easily be that too, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. All right, well, we've get, we had a lot to choose from, so that was difficult to select one, but um, we both got good ones, I think. Yeah. Um, let's go back a step maybe to okay. the rhythm section again mm-hmm. and talk about bass players. Because, as you said in episode two, when we were dissecting what makes Yacht Rock so great, is the bass players were al- allowed to shine and sort of be subtle, anchor the anchor the rhythm section, but also shine a little bit. And so I'm interested to see who you think I got, because I'm a bass player, yeah, um, and I envy the chops of these dudes. Yeah. Um, so who do you think I have, first of all? Not who you got, but well, who do you think I have? I would have been more sure had you not posed it to me like that. Sounds like I'm being led down a... Primrose Path, I would say that I would have been 99% sure it was Louis Johnson. It is Louis Johnson. Okay. Couple reasons. First mm-hmm. of all, my drummer is Jeff Picaro. All you need to do is listen to, I keep forgetting, to listen to what how awesome that pairing is. Yes. Especially the tasty stuff at the end where Picaro, you know, they always wait till the till the vamp to pull out the oh, tricks, yeah. right? Yeah, right. That's kind of a always staple. to the end. Yes. Yeah. Save it for the fade. Save it for the fade, where he does that double pedal, even though he's doing it with a single kick probably I think at so. the time. Yeah. And real quick, like and then bass players following, you know, Louis going doom doom. Doom, doom, doom. It's as though they probably had it worked out from a previous yeah. run through. 
but it, it sounds so easy to them. Yeah. Um, but the sound of the bass playing, because his sound, I'm a huge fan of that growly type of bass playing sound um, where the mid register is probably too high than maybe what you like. There's not mm-hmm. a ton of scoop to the mix, um, but it's played through a music man which is what I played. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that sound. And you can really hear that sound prominently on the Herb Alpert stuff. I think he was probably picking when he played, mm. um, but he played on that record as well. So well, he was uh, Quincy Jones's bass player of choice. Yes. You know, yeah. so from, I, the, from the Brothers Johnson. So, so if you want to look up something interesting, sort of an offshoot um, kind of... Kind of funky, but it's a little bit lighter than some of the board. You know, it's not like Parliament or Funkadelic. It's not that. But they they were um, the Brothers Johnson. um, Yeah. Strawberry Letter 23 was probably their biggest hit. But uh, if you want to hear just a lot of Louis Johnson, just spin some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would call it Yacht Funk. You know, we're coming up all with all these subs. We're breaking it down into such minutia. Right. But yeah, so he's my guy. Who's your guy at bass? Well, Abe Laboreal. I mean,. Abe Laboreal, according to Wikipedia, they, what was it, Guitar Player Magazine at some point called him the most recorded bassist of all time. Yeah. Mexican-American. I did not know that. Oh. Um, I wouldn't have necessarily grabbed that from the name, I guess. But, uh, I mean, I compiled a brief list of the people that he played for, and his discography is just so huge. I mean, Al Jarreau, George Benson, Barbara Streisand, Billy Cobham. Chris Isaac, wow, you know Christopher Cross, of course Dolly Parton. Hmm. When you talk about getting around, Donald Fagan, Elton John, Engelbert Humperdinck, Herb what? Alpert, Herbie Hancock, Lee Rittenauer, Leo Sayer, Lisa Loeb. Wow, I mean, so well into the '90s and beyond. Madonna, Michael Jackson, Paul Simon, Quincy Jones, even Ray Charles. I mean, so this guy could play with anybody. Do you know off the top of your head what song or album he would have played on for Madonna? No. Because this is the first I realized Yeah, because Like a Prayer has a really cool vibe. And I'm not a fan of Madonna, but that song in particular has a cool bass vibe to it. I wonder if that's it. So who else did we miss? We could only pick. I figured it was going to be one or two of those guys. Leland Sklar, another one. He's probably moderately more associated with West Coast AOR. But Lee Sklar, for sure. David Hungate, who uh, was the original bass player for Toto. Uh, then Mike Percaro took over. A lot of people love Mike Percaro's playing. Um, and then Hungate was back. And, you know, so that there was kind of a, those two. Um, what about Eddie Watkins? I don't know Eddie a lot Watkins about Jr. him. Yeah. He showed up in personnel in, and of course I can't remember because I've done a million searches every time a Yacht Rock song comes yeah. up. Um, it may have been Baby Come I to think me. it was Baby Come to Me because we remember talking about that one. And he was more of a, I think, a Motown guy by... Okay. Nature, and then, um, but he's a guy that I've seen kind of come up, not as prolific as the others we mentioned, but yeah, Nathan East is another one mm-hmm. that comes up a little later era, so he's probably more mid eighties and beyond, so maybe outside the the hard uh, date parameters that yeah. some people apply to yacht rock. But and of course, then there's Marcus Miller, but he's in that yacht jazz yeah. vein. Yeah, he, he's played on some of it, but yeah, and Marcus would be a guy that could do everything that any of these guys could do. I yeah. think he's. In my opinion, the greatest I've ever heard. Yeah. But you don't see him on a lot of these records. So, and if you don't know who that is, famous for being the bass player with uh, and producer often with David Sanborn. For David Sanborn yeah. and uh, even later Miles Davis. That's right. And uh, probably my favorite bass player, too, of all times. So, but not true enough to the yacht rock genre for me to pick him there. Agreed. All right, where are we going next? Well, uh, let's talk about the horn section. Um you know, to me, there's one definitive horn section, and so I don't know if we're going to agree on this one or if there's other things uh, left, you know, 
turns you can throw into this, but Jerry Hay was the lead trumpet player. We've talked about him already, and he had a consistent group of guys with him. Jerry Hay was not just responsible for being the lead trumpet player in a great horn section, which he was and they were, but he was often the arranger that took the basic ideas and he created some superbly iconic horn arrangements, whether it be, as we've talked about, Rosanna, uh, yep. We talked about George Benson's Turn Your Love Around, mm-hmm. uh, Boogie Down from uh, Al Jarreau. All of these, you just hear these horn sections come in. It's almost like listening to a Chicago record in the in their early days where you would sing along with the horn parts. Well, yeah. I th- we talked about that in the last episode, and I thought of another one because I heard it, is we're in this love together where you got to, the mm-hmm. answer is a, and mm-hmm. I think that was a Jerry mm-hmm. Hay arrangement as well. Probably. Yeah. And I had Jerry Hay here too, only because, you know, I don't know, for one, that's the most common for sure. name that comes up. Yeah. Um, and how many other horn sections was I familiar with at the time or am now? Not a ton, but... Um, you know, obviously Chicago's horn, that, their whole band was the horn section, mm-hmm. was a very distinctive sound unto itself, but probably not the yacht rock sound. There was, it seems like it's more, I don't know, uh, trombone it, heavy or something? Yeah, yeah, Pankow, he, he blew his, <laughs> so much louder than those other guys. And it, that's what gave them their unique sound. It wasn't really trumpet-led. But, you know, we're talking about making a band. We're not requiring that they be heavy yacht rock players. So if you wanted yeah. to build a band with the Chicago horn section, it would certainly be kind of interesting. Who was the horn section in... Was, Earth, Wind, and Fire Earth, Wind, Fire had the, yeah, the Earth, Wind, Fire horns. There was the Tower Power horns that mm-hmm. played on other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we can't forget um, the man named Jim Horn, right? You know, oh, Jim yeah. Horn. <laughs> if you're going to have a player playing a uh, horn, you might as well name him Jim. And who's Jim Horn? How do we know Jim sax Horn? Sax player. Sax uh, yeah. Yeah, soloist. Well, so, let's go into sax soloist. Because okay. could, you could choose a separate sax soloist if yeah, you want. Yeah, Jim Horn probably got, he was cut from my team only because David Sanborn exists. And yeah. There's, there's nobody that says it more to me than David Sanborn. And David Sanborn obviously rose to prominence to have his own identity and brand and as a solo, you know, artist. Um, but yeah. before that, what was he doing? He was playing with a lot of these cats for hire, right? And I think he was playing for hire while he was doing the stuff. I yeah. mean, he, he was, I think he saw himself probably as a session guy that, made his own records almost like the the total guys were session guys that made decided to put together a band mm-hmm. you know so there's there's other guys i mean i don't know them all by name um but certainly people point to baker street as being one of the definitive songs yep. um so you know you could just say i'll have that guy for that reason right you know? yeah you exactly know? yep he's probably more available than sanborn too Yes. Yeah. Well, Sanborn's not doing his late night talk show anymore, to my <laughs> yeah, knowledge. So he might have true. more time. Yeah, he might have more time. All right. So we covered the horns and yeah. the sax soloist. Um, we talked about one of the staples of certain strains of yacht rock being this beautiful string section. So I don't know if there are players that you know of or arrangers, but I'm curious who you'd want on the team to sort of make sure the strings got done right. Well, it's funny. I've read. Uh, some people say that if it has strings, it's not Yacht Rock. So, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Which I don't agree with Tell that, that to Christopher I, Cross. I, yeah, I know. Right. Exactly. I mean, the song Sailing starts off like <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, the, the name that's very familiar, Marty Page. Marty Page, uh, great orchestral arranger, father of David Page from Toto. Uh, did a lot of their string arrangements, probably you know because of proximity. But Page is a guy that um, he shows up 
and not just on the Yacht Rock stuff, but a lot of the adult contemporary of the time, he, he appears to have been one of the real go-to guys if you wanted that modern pop string section, not necessarily the big orchestra like a Nelson Riddle. You weren't going for something like that. You know, you weren't making a Jackie Gleason record or something like that. You wanted it to have this more modern sensibility, and Marty Page was the man. And, um, I ended up with Marty Page, too, by the way, uh, because I was trying to figure out, all right, who arranged this and who arranged that, because that's the sound I want. Yeah. And I stumbled upon a website that I'll link to in the show notes that shows you his complete I don't know, discography, I guess. Uh, anything he appeared on, either arranged or actually played on or was a producer on, any of that stuff. It had to be it, big. <laughs> oh, the list goes on and on. I think he died in, like, 95, and there's still stuff that's being released now that had him being arranged. Usually it's compilations and retroactive. Yeah, but, right. I mean, he started in the 50s or 60s mm-hmm. and was yeah. still doing the Yacht Rock stuff. So I had to go with him. And so if you're interested at all, check out just how prolific that guy was. And then the other thing I discovered as I was doing this is, did you, I'm sure you knew, I did not know that Jerry Hay was also a strings arranger. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did some uh, arranging on a few songs. So I, I thought that was interesting. So mm. you could, if you were trying to save a buck, if you got Jerry <laughs> Hay, you could just have him do both. But um, anyway, I think I, I went with Marty Page as well. So that was interesting. Good call. Yep. Okay. So that brings us to. The flex position, as you the like to The flex call. position. So this could be, if you're familiar with fantasy football, you get you know a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, et cetera, et cetera, and then one flex person that you could put in as just an offensive sort of you know addition, and you don't have to so sign plug them into slot. different places depending yeah. on what you want. So it could be any one of these right. uh, instrumentations. It allows you to have two quarterbacks on your team, so yeah. or two receivers. So we added a flex guy because I thought we were going to be cutting enough people mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, I, it was this or this guy, and it's a shame not to have him. So right. we have a flex position. Do you want to go first, or should I go first? Seems like I've gone first a lot. You go first. All right. So my flex position is um, Donald Fagan. Oh, wow. Because I want the... The creative genius to be in the room, and maybe he won't even sing, and maybe he won't even play, but he'll be there to consult, maybe to write, and to produce a little bit. Could he get along with a group where he wasn't in charge? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Well, I'm in charge, so... Right, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. (laughs) Right, so he doesn't have a choice. Well, my pick is off the beaten path as well, and um, it's the uh, keyboard player from Pablo Cruz. His name is Corey Lirios, and the reason that I picked him was not just his ability to play the keys, but I wanted an additional soloist. I already had a guitar soloist. I had the sax soloist. And he is a brilliant, brilliant soloist. They have a song off of the World's Away album called Runnin' that, oh man, he just, it's like, I typically tend to get bored with piano solos, but this guy keeps me interested all the way through. So I needed another soloist. Good. Cool. All right, well, there was some divergence between our two Definitely. super groups. Yeah, yeah. Um, some overlap, which we expected. But those are two super groups. If um, if you're following along on Facebook, like we mentioned, uh, enter in the comments somewhere. Tell us what your super group yeah. was. Tell us where we got it wrong um, or who well, they we will. forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> they will. I know they, they will. will. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so that leads us to the lightning round. The lightning round. What do we got in the lightning round? So the three sections of the lightning round, really briefly, is we're just going to challenge each other uh, unrehearsed with a yacht or not question. Could be a song or a band and ask what the other's gut reaction is. We're going to offer up A Buried Treasure. That's a song that is probably within the yacht rock parameters, but is often uh, not played a lot, whether it's uh, an album cut or just kind of a forgotten gem. And then the section I've been calling Off the Map, which is um, something, uh, a song that maybe does not sit in the yacht rock parameters. Either the artist is not considered yacht or the time it was made is not considered yacht, blah, blah, blah. We're going to offer up something that says, you know what, we recognize this isn't yacht. And we want to say, you know what, this will fit nicely in your playlist. If you're looking to grow your playlist to something that's not just the staples of yacht, but you don't want this you know, sudden left turn, this will drop in nicely. So cool. Let's start with the uh, yacht or not, and you could uh, go first, I guess. Okay, I'll go first, and because of technical difficulties, you've already had some time to think about this one, unfortunately. But so the song is uh, Danny by, I'm sorry, Danny's song yeah, by Danny's song. Kenny Loggins. And even though we ain't got money, um, so is it yacht or is it not? To me, it is definitely yacht. Uh, the criticism of it could be that it's too folky, or maybe it's uh, what I don't know what year that was. I'm getting 1970. Guess oh wow, I was even going to guess way 72 out. or 73. So way out. Um, but it's a yes for me. It's yeah. a it's a clear yes. It, it is. I think for me, it is yes. And when I got immersed into yacht rock um, through the serious. It was, you know, serious channel. It was in the heavy rotation, so yeah. I didn't even question it. And it was Kenny Loggins, and it wasn't until recently where, for one, I looked at the time frame and said, "Woo, that's early," but um, whatever. But then I thought too, is it stylistically in the genre? And I think the answer to that is no. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because there is this whole other strain of yacht rock that we didn't get into, and I think this is where you and I diverge. So we have our two playlists that we mm-hmm. link to at the show notes, and if you want to check out our playlist, that's where you can find those. And one subgenre that maybe doesn't even exist but is definitely not yacht rock, but I include in my mix, and I bet you do not, is what we talked about earlier, yacht folk, mm-hmm. which are artists like you know Jim Croce, Cat Stevens, Harry Chapin, um, Gordon right. Lightfoot, those also are thrown in the serious playlist. And depending on what you're doing with your up thumbs and your down thumbs on Pandora, could appear there too. So I think that type of music is generally thrown into the yacht rock bucket, but it's separate, like Danny Song is too. Okay, well, let's keep the theme rolling then, because okay. my yacht or not question probably fits in there as well. Okay. Uh, this is from 1973. So again, possibly outside the parameters from the Captain and Me album by the Doobie Brothers. This is pre-Michael McDonald, South City Midnight Lady. South City Midnight Lady. It, to I me, that's an, another example of what we just talked about, which right. it's it stylistically and even from a time frame standpoint out of the main. 
Um, mm. But it's got such a great feel. And part of this, again, going back to the five stages, is the, the second stage after discovery, second stage is nostalgia. So when I hear that song, I'm taken to the same place I'm taken when I hear the older or more recent Doobie Brothers song. And I'm taken to, you know, the reason I include this stuff is that's what my wife remembers is Yacht Rock or whatever. Yeah. So I know it's technically not, but it's it's in it's got enough of the right feels that right. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go yacht on that yep. one. And not that, even apologize. That, yep, that's my thought too. Okay, buried treasure. I'll go first on this one. This is uh, from uh, George Benson, uh, 1985. There's plenty of George Benson that is clearly yacht. This is uh, 1985, as I said, so it's maybe just at the end. But this was not even a big, big hit for him, but it was a radio airplay, and it's a song called I Just Want to Hang Around You. just very smooth and relaxing and uh it's just great 80s george benson great buried treasure that's a good one yeah and i love it when you can find a an iconic artist that is clearly in the genre but a new song that you've you know like how did i forget that this one existed yeah it's not like i'm picking one that intentionally i know that no one's ever heard it wasn't you know so this is this was definitely one that got radio play well this is a song i'm going to go for my buried treasure i'm going with a group that is somewhat played on this again serious yacht rock station not this song specifically but another song by this band chili whack you know the Mm -hmm. band and Mm -hmm. i what I remember from them is their horrible video to Gone, 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 She's Been Gone So Long, which is that part of that song just drives me absolutely nuts. But they have another song that I don't hear played a lot, and it's called I Believe. Okay. Dig it. I think yeah. it's got a good feel. Yeah. Um, it fits. It checks all of the boxes. But okay. it's, I think, maybe it gets thrown away because it's the lesser known single or, uh, to a song that nobody liked in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. But so I love that song and you should definitely add it to your playlist. All right. So let's go to Off the Map. Yeah. We both did. Uh, okay. So Off the Map. Um are you going first or am I going first? You are on this one. I'm going first. So when you opened up the off the map in episode one, you laid down this huge range because it was Rumor, right? It was a contemporary mm-hmm. artist. Mm-hmm. So that kind of opened the playbook for me a little bit. So I got a band that you would never consider Yacht Rock. I have a song that was a hit, 1986, so a little bit past the Yacht Rock, you know, typical time frame. But it's got enough of the elements that when you listen to it, you're not going to call it Yacht Rock, but you're going to say that, that could fit right into the okay. playlist and you wouldn't miss a beat. Speaking of missing a beat, the song is called Miss Me Blind by Culture Club. Yeah, has that great bass line, the clean guitar. Yep. The, the the drums are tight. Everything about it. I mean, those guys could play. Yep. You know, we, we, we focus so much on Boy George's, you know, persona. But this isn't like they were a, a boy band in front of, you know, musicians that were laying down all the tracks for them. They played their own stuff, too. Yeah. And this this one is probably the technically most precise tune of all of theirs. And it's got a variation of the bass line that we always it talk does. about. Instead of going doom, doom, it goes doom, 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 like that. And so it's very close. And then the guitar lead at the end is like, yeah. how is this coming out of a culture club song? I know. It's so good. Yeah. Anyway, that's my buried treasure. What? Or no, I'm sorry. That's my off the map. That's your off the What's map your off suggestion. The map? Mine is from 1990, and this is by Basha, and the song "Cruising for Bruising." Cruising, cruising, my baby, the second 
Yes. So all of the smoothness, the harmonies, the, the sophisticated chords. What uh, year did you say that was? 1990. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't. That, that's a good one. Good one. All right, cool. And there you have it. Off the map. All right, so that is episode four of uh, Out of the Main. And again, if you're looking for, you know, to track us down or to find where you can find the, and listen to and subscribe to the podcast, just go to yachtrockpodcast.com. And until then, co Captain John, we yep. will say Ahoy. 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 <laughs>